Strategy Show. We explore with real people how to develop and deploy strategies that work. We discover how they overcome obstacles along the way, balancing both achievement and fulfillment. We dive into the most powerful routines, tactics, and strategies and discover how they manage to stay fresh, strong, and happy. This is your host, Simon Severino. Welcome back to the Strategy Show. We are here today with Erika Kleestorfer, a leadership expert, executive coach, and management consultant. She's also part of the Global Educator Network of Duke University and a fellow of the Oxford Leadership Academy. Her recent assignments include BASF, Telefonica, and Akzo Nobel. Erika, thank you for being here. Pleasure. What are you currently creating and why? Well, as you know, we are usually creating a couple of things at the same time, and I am working on different things. One, I think that really excites me, it's our work with Oxford Leadership, as you said, and we're currently putting together an international team that is focusing on leadership 4.0 and also the digital possibilities of turning content into other forms of uh, development tools. So this is something that excites me. What is 4.0? Point, uh... 4.0. Leadership 4.0. Well, it means it for me, it includes all the technical development. So it's not just content, but also how can you use actually the uh, tools that are nowadays available to blend it in into content. I mean, I don't know, 20 years ago, I used to work at IBM and back then we already talked about blended learning and we did a lot of blended learning um, management uh, sessions. But this, I would say, is the next level. It's really using even more technology to disrupt also in a very positive sense and to um, support managers on their individual but also organizational journey. What was missing in 3.0? <laughs> I think nothing was missing because it didn't exist back then. Now technology has evolved. So I think it's just the usage of what's currently available. What do you stand for and what do you not stand for? Well, I ask also my clients to compare my self-perception and what definitely came back and what is true is I stand for clarity, straight talk and also quality. So for me, it's important to really talk about what's beneath the surface. So I'm not good as, at polishing the surface. I'm really a person who wants to dig deeper, who wants to make a difference because it, it, it doesn't make sense if we just continue with what is already there if it's not working. How would the two people you influenced most describe you and your impact on them? I don't know who are the two people. Uh, I guess that I've influenced a lot of people uh, in the past. I, I counted recently and I think I had the pleasure, I have to say, to work with probably 15,000 people, managers, throughout the world in the past 20 years. So I don't know who my influence the most. What I see nowadays is, uh, and this is what I really enjoy about my job is I work, I teach, for example, at the technical university or, or the university for business administration, and I work with executives. And for me, it's the diversity of the people I can work with and I can maybe inspire and, and empower. Um, and I get some, I, I mean, there are clients, you know, I, 
they attended sessions uh, or I worked with them 10, 15 years ago and they still send me Christmas cards with content where they tell me what happened throughout the year and also what of the things they learned 10 years ago is still influencing their behavior and this is very touching. And how do they describe the impact you had? Different probably on one side it's that that I really helped them to to become clearer about their own strength and the impact and difference they can make but also to encourage them to stay true to themselves so it's not about you know very often we we think we have to act especially managers in a specific way to be part of the successful club and they're losing their own strength and power so my goal is always to bring them back home to who they truly are so to kind of come back uh, or experience once again their own unique strength and then act out of that unique strength so when someone decides for your offerings what do they really buy what is it that they get that is not the product or the service but i would say they get change and transformation and it's very often an internal change whether it's uh, if i do an individual coaching if i work with teams or organizations but it has to do with identifying where we stand where we want to go and then move into that direction and the only way to move together is that the peop that the team works really well with each other and this is where i very often see issues so that people have conflicts then power game starts and the idea really is to make them talk to each other again basic sometimes but you know i've worked with ceo teams and there were guys who didn't talk to each other for i don't know half a year year they really tried to fight all the time and this didn't has have to do with the content it, it was more power game because people had the feeling that they're not appreciated that they're not seen by what they're contributing and so what it's, hinders it's, them to talk to each other well i think a lot of people never learned that this is an option how to how to handle conflicts you know very often we say soft factors but what i learned is that the soft is really the hard stuff you know and it's easy to talk about numbers and figures and analysis but it's very hard to talk about feelings emotions and not just the friendly emotions you know the ones we like like uh, I'm happy, I'm in good mood, but actually that I'm aggressive now, you know, you irritate me, you know, there's something I don't appreciate at all. And this is something I think we have to learn that all emotions are our friends, what I usually say, and to um, get in touch with them and then share them in an appropriate manner. You work with different cultures mm. globally. Do you, do you see differences in uh, handling emotions and yeah. some taboos and some emotions and others? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it absolutely has to do with the culture, our upbringing, what's more natural and not. I mean, like I, I studied in the US and um, there we think, you know, it's easy for them to give feedback. But yes, they are maybe more open. They are more, more used to giving feedback. But the question is the depth of where we actually touch each other and talk to each other. Um, I've, as I said, I've just started working with this Argentinian software company and uh, there, especially in the Latin American countries, I have the feeling, you know, the heart speaks more often than maybe the mind, which I love because it's a more holistic approach. 
So of course it depends. I work a lot in the Nordics, you know, and people, are di yes, we are different and uh, it's good that we are different and that we use the diversity to actually bring more to this world. And I think also that nowadays we really have to ensure that we talk to each other because the complexity is increasing. There are questions nowadays we've never had before. So we need actually different minds and hearts to think together, to create together and to come to uh, conclusions together. The heart speaks more beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, I asked once my parents uh, because they had different languages when they met in Rome for the first time very long ago. And I asked them, how did you talk to each other when you met for the first time? Because he was speaking only Italian and she only German. And my mother said, you know, Simon, I was a little kid. And she said, you know, Simon, sometimes the heart speaks more than yeah. the words. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we forgot it. We forget it sometimes. Mm. But this is every human being wants to be seen, whether it's in a business context or a private context. Yeah. Do you have a favorite failure, something that went terribly wrong, but you learned <laughs> out of it? Maybe you got even stronger. Um, well, failure. Sometimes, you know, we are just not aware of certain things. And of course, there are a lot of failures, but maybe two that come to my mind now. One was I was asked to work with a senior management team in uh, Slovakia. And I had a conversation with the general manager. So uh, we talked about what is uh, what are the current issues? What is it that he wants to see differently, his goals and so on. And then I prepared a design and then I went to Slovakia. And then we started the session with him and the senior leadership team. And after I think the first 10 minutes, I could feel enormous resistance. And I thought, what's going on? And because, you know, he, he this is what he told me. However, I realized that I only got his perspective and actually not the perspective of the rest of his team, which was totally different. And so what I realized is, so when you work with the senior management team or with any team, and if you have the possibility to talk to everyone before you actually do the design, it's much more fruitful because I got his impression. Obviously he was not very much in touch or close with his people. And so there was a big mismatch between his expectation and the expectations and the needs of his immediate senior management team. So what happened was that I had nice, nice agenda for two days and I realized, so this is not going well. So I went to the flip chart. I kind of said, okay, this is not going to happen today. What is it you really want to work on? What is it that will help you? Because this is also something that's important to me. It has to make sense to the people I'm working with. It's not about me. It's not about my ego and not about me showing them how smart I am. It's really about them and it has to make sense. And that's important. The other thing where I really learned a lot, especially maybe as a woman, is that, um, uh, as I said, I used to work at IBM. I was, I guess, 27, 8 when I started working there. And a, a male colleague started with me at the same time. And I, I think it was after a year or so I realized, and we had conversations, I realized that he got a salary increase and, and we had the same job. So I went to our boss, which was the same. And I asked him that I'd, I'd like to have also salary increase because I realized, you know, my colleague um, got a salary increase and he said, Erica, why should I give you a salary increase? And I said, well, that's not fair. You know, he got a salary increase. We are doing exactly the same. How come? And he said to me, well, obviously you didn't sell yourself well enough at the beginning. 
and I went home in tears like <laughs> you know I was really upset and it, I think it was a, on a Friday and I went home and the whole weekend was destroyed you know I was furious actually and, and I thought this is not fair and fairness is a big value for me but I learned a lot because then I think a year later I got an offer internally and I had this uh, fantastic European role and I agreed with my European manager um, a certain amount of money and then I came back and he said well I can't pay that because the difference is too much and I said well not my problem you have to talk to uh, the manager and I finally got the salary increase but it was really it was painful at the same time very helpful very helpful to also realize my own worth you know and that and this is actually something I, I hear I see very often especially with women more than men that uh, it's hard for them to ask you know for maybe a salary increase or to ask for feedback or to ask for support or whatsoever and especially in the job for me I think you know it's I it's like I have a job you know I offer a certain product and this it has a certain price tag you know it's like it's a, if I wash a washing machine it's not about, about me personally you know if they say no I don't give it a <clears throat> much money <clears throat> excuse me it's not about you know my worth I'm always worth the same but it's obviously for them this is too expensive and that's also fine to accept yeah but we have to know our own worth current favorite books I love buying books and reading books it's not that I read all of it but I quickly go through it and then I see what's inspiring and useful I'm well I read always a couple of books at the same time one is I have a dog one is for Chaplin uh, yes Chaplin one is for uh, how to actually lead and manage a dog which is totally different to people is it easier or? no I think it's much more difficult but it's a fantastic experience and you can transfer so much also to leadership and management in the human context um, so that's one book but um, as I said I've started also working on this software project uh, checked and an app so I have a couple of books about design thinking business canvas modeling all kinds of creative uh, um, strategies to turn ideas into concrete results or a product so this is something that excites me Frédéric Laloux is uh, Reinventing Organizations is a book I, I have always next to me. Um, but I think I like to read different books because inspiration is very important to me to get inspiration from different fields. So not just from our kind of uh, uh, background. Biosphere. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. System. Yes, yeah. But more holistic approach and and I love also quotes very often I, I read quotes and um, that's something that inspires me and I think this is also something we can do for other people uh, Gerald Hütte the neuroscience mm -hmm. he said once we can only invite encourage and empower people but they have to do the rest and this is I think what I want to do I want to inspire encourage and empower and I can only do that if I also inspire myself over and over again yeah and I get inspiration yeah invite courage empower beautiful what's your biggest fear at the moment and how do you dance with it three things that come to my mind first is a friend of mine a close friend recently got cancer so 
that uh, reminded me again how important life is and to live every moment uh, and and it's probably it's the fear of dying or even more the fear that I haven't lived enough mm-hmm. and so this is something that's on my mind so what is it what else is out there that I'm interested in the things you know we do we don't do sometimes because maybe the focus is too much on work or too much on family or whatsoever so that's one <clears throat> the other is um, the political situation around the world I mean you know that we've recently had a new uh, government in Austria and there is a shift uh, in the political uh, arena let's say so this is something I'm concerned about so how easy it is for politicians uh, to manipulate people and whether we are smart enough to really wake up and to uh, realize what's going on. So, so this is something that's on my mind. And also, what is the individual contribution? Where can I make a difference? Where can I act maybe differently to, to bring more consciousness and awareness uh, to the surface? Um, and the third, and that's uh, interesting, it's sometimes I have the feeling there's not enough time left in general. So time is really flying and we have to react quickly before something even more worth happens. So this is, it's like an internal impatience and I can't tell you where it comes from. It's maybe sensing, yeah, what's going on locally, globally, and it's not for the better. However, knowing that we've never had better times than now, because you know, it's uh, with everything, you know, there was never so much wealth and health on this earth and never so few wars. So, um, so there is a, a lot positive, but still, where do we spend your energy and focus to? And the media, unfortunately, is still drawing our attention to those areas that are actually very negative, knowing that a lot of positive is happening. And this, I think, uh, is also something I do in my job is I try to bring my clients back to to the good things also so where's my attention going to are we resource oriented or deficit oriented and of course we have to know what's not going well and deal with it and find solutions but I think we have to strengthen also the strength and unlock uh, potentials that have not yet been touched or used do you have a favorite failure something that went terribly wrong but you learned out of it maybe you got even stronger um well failure sometimes you know we're just not aware of certain things and of course there are a lot of failures but maybe two that come to my mind now one was i was asked to work with a senior management team in uh, slovakia and I had a conversation with the general manager. So uh, we talked about what is, uh, what are the current issues? What is it that he wants to see differently, his goals and so on. And then I prepared the design and then I went to Slovakia. And then we started the session with him and the senior leadership team. And after I think the first 10 minutes, I could feel enormous resistance. And I thought, what's going on? And because, you know, he, he this is what he told me. However, I realized that I only got his perspective and actually not the perspective of the rest of his team, which was totally different. And so what I realized is, so when you work with the senior management team or with any team, and if you have the possibility to talk to everyone 
before you actually do the design, it's much more fruitful because I got his impression. Obviously, he was not very much in touch or close with his people. And so there was a big mismatch between his expectation and the expectations and the needs of his immediate senior management team. So what happened was that I had nice, nice agenda for two days and I realized, so this is not going well. So I went to the flip chat. I kind of said, okay, this is not going to happen today. What is it you really want to work on? What is it that will help you? Because this is also something that's important to me. It has to make sense to the people I'm working with. It's not about me. It's not about my ego and not about me showing them how smart I am. It's really about them and it has to make sense. And that's important. The other thing where I really learned a lot, especially maybe as a woman, is that, um, uh, as I said, I used to work at IBM. I was, I guess, 27, 8 when I started working there. And a, a male colleague started with me at the same time. And I, I think it was after a year or so I realized, and we had conversations, I realized that he got a salary increase. And, and we had the same job. So I went to our boss, which was the same, and I asked him that I'd, I'd like to have also salary increase because I realized, you know, my colleague um, got a salary increase. And he said, Erica, why should I give you a salary increase? And I said, well, that's not fair. You know, he got a salary increase. We are doing exactly the same. How come? And he said to me, well, obviously you didn't sell yourself well enough at the beginning. And I went home in tears like, <laughs> you know, I was really upset. And it, I think it was a on a Friday and I went home and the whole weekend was destroyed. You know, I was furious actually. And, and I thought this is not fair and fairness is a big value for me. But I learned a lot because then I think a year later I got an offer internally and I had this uh, fantastic European role and I agreed with my European manager um, a certain amount of money. And then I came back and he said, well, I can't pay that because the difference is too much. And I said, well, not my problem, you have to talk to uh, the manager and I finally got the salary increase. But it was really, it was painful at the same time, very helpful, very helpful to also realize my own worth, you know, and that, and this is actually something I, I hear, I see very often, especially with women more than men, that uh, it's hard for them to ask, you know, for maybe a salary increase or to ask for feedback or to ask for support or whatsoever. And especially in the job, for me, I think, you know, it's I it's like I have a job, you know, I offer a certain product and this it has a certain price tag, you know, it's like it's, if I wash a washing machine, it's not about, about me personally, you know, if they say no, I don't give it a <clears throat> much money, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not about, you know, my worth, I'm always worth the same, but it's obviously for them, this is too expensive and that's also fine to accept, yeah, but we have to know our own worth. Current favorite books? I love buying books and reading books. It's not that I read all of it, but I quickly go through it and then I see what's inspiring and useful. I'm Well, I read always a couple of books at the same time. One is I have a dog. One is for... Chaplin. Uh, yes, Chaplin. One is for uh, how to actually lead and manage a dog, which is totally different to people. Is it easier? Or? No, I think it's much more difficult. But it's a fantastic experience and you can transfer so much also to leadership and management in the human context. Um, so that's one book. But um, 
as I said, I've started also working on this software project, project and an app. So I have a couple of books about design thinking, business canvas modeling, all kinds of creative uh, um, strategies to turn ideas into concrete results or a product. So this is something that excites me. Frédéric Laloux is uh, Reinventing Organizations. It's a book I, I have always next to me. Um, but I think I like to read different books because inspiration is very important to me to get inspiration from different fields. So not just from our kind of uh, uh, background. Biosphere. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. But more holistic approach. and and. I love also quotes. Very often I, I read quotes and um, that's something that inspires me. And I think this is also something we can do for other people. Uh, Gerhard Hütte, the neuroscience, mm -hmm. he said once, we can only invite, encourage and empower people, but they have to do the rest. And this is, I think, what I want to do. I want to inspire, encourage and empower. And I can only do that if I also inspire myself over and over again. Yeah, And I get inspiration. Yeah. Invite, courage, empower. Beautiful. What's your biggest fear at the moment and how do you dance with it? Three things that come to my mind. First is a friend of mine, a close friend, recently got cancer. So that uh, reminded me again how important life is and to live every moment. Uh, and and it's probably it's the fear of dying or even more the fear that I haven't lived enough mm -hmm. and so this is something that's on my mind so what is it what else is out there that I'm interested in the things you know we do we don't do sometimes because maybe the focus is too much on work or too much on family or whatsoever so that's one <clears throat> the other is um, the political situation around the world I mean, you know that we've recently had a new uh, government in Austria and there is a shift uh, in the political uh, arena, let's say. So this is something I'm concerned about. So how easy it is for politicians uh, to manipulate people and whether we are smart enough to really wake up and to uh, realize what's going on. So, so this is something that's on my mind and also what is the individual contribution? Where can I make a difference? Where can I act maybe differently to, to bring more consciousness and awareness uh, to the surface? Um, and the third, and that's uh, interesting, it's sometimes I have the feeling there's not enough time left in general. So time is really flying and we have to react quickly before something even more worth happens. So this is, it's like an internal impatience and I can't tell you where it comes from. It's maybe sensing, yeah, what's going on locally, globally, and it's not for the better. However, knowing that we've never had better times than now, because you know, it's uh, with everything, you know, there was never so much wealth and health on this earth and never so few wars. So, um, so there is a, a lot positive, but still, where do we spend your energy and focus to? And the media, unfortunately, is still drawing our attention to those areas that are actually very negative, knowing that a lot of positive is happening. And this, I think, uh, is also something I do in my job is 
I try to bring my clients back to to the good things also. So where's my attention going to? Are we resource oriented or deficit oriented? And of course we have to know what's not going well and deal with it and find solutions. But I think we have to strengthen also the strength and unlock uh, potentials that have not yet been touched or used. Who would miss your products or services if they were gone? Everyone and no one probably, you know. Everyone, because I think really my clients and the students I work with, they like me, they appreciate me. And at the same time, you know, we are not that important, you know. So actually I have clients, I've been working with them since 10 years. And I sometimes say, I think you should look for other people, you know. I don't want them to get bored of me, but yeah, we have a good relationship. What did you recently change your mind about? As we said, you know, books are very inspiring to me. And I've recently found a book from Emily Vapnik. It's called How to Be Everything. And I like her approach saying, you know, you're not either, I don't know, a very inspiring person or a very rational person, but actually you're everything. And to allow all these different sides to be present. Because very often we want to put people into boxes. And this is what we learned at school, unfortunately, right? and wrong or left or right and black and white and and this is really about um actually he she talks a lot about hypersensitive people uh and i realized yeah i'm probably more like that so sensing a lot and then finding the right tools and channels to communicate what you sense because sometimes people don't know what you mean so this is so hypersensitivity is one thing where i not changed my mind, but I became more of that. Yeah, it's present and there are a lot of hypersensitive people, but also that you can be more than just one specific. Um, How did you find out that you are hypersensitive? Well, it's interesting, you know, usually um, you only sense it if you see a difference or if you if you realize that other people don't get what you sense. And I think for me, it was um, it was 20 years ago. I, I, I worked with a colleague and we had this international team. And uh, and usually when I work with teams, I have the feeling that, and this is my job, to create an atmosphere where people feel well and then give their best and where they open up, they're honest, where really change and transformation can happen and growth can happen. And so I, I worked with my colleague and afterwards he said, wow you know i've never ever had a group that is dead or that was that open and i thought my groups are always open <laughs> i mean and, I, and then another colleague said exactly the same so i thought obviously there is something that i can add to a team of people or to a group and um whenever i work with teams i sense immediately what's going on the dynamics and or people often say to me can you look into my brain, you know, how come that mm -hmm. you sensed it? So it's, and I think we all have different gifts. We all have those gifts and sometimes we use it more consciously and sometimes unconsciously. Are there many hypersensitive people in the world? And do you think they, they, they know about it? I think with everything, yes, there are probably many and maybe no, they don't know. 
it's like you know if you have a very inte uh, intelligent uh, kid you know only if and and very often we think something is wrong with this kid you know but then only if he or she then maybe has the opportunity to work with kids who are similarly talented then they realize that they're okay you know that everything is fine which advice would you give to somebody who is listening now or watching and saying, oh, that's me. Maybe they are young and you had some advice for them. Well, I would say trust yourself. You know, everything is fine with yourself. And if you have the feeling you sense more than other people, I think it's good also to talk about it, to talk with people where you feel comfortable or appreciated, whether they have similar experience. It's more about maybe sharing do you sense the same? Do you see or feel the same? So they get maybe confirmation uh, that everything is fine. And the other thing is also don't overtake yourself maybe emotionally because hypersensitive people are hypersensitive. Mm. So they need also a lot of time for themselves. And this is something I had to learn actually to really step out of, you know, all these busy uh, environment and of, of these environments and, and actually take time for myself, be alone, be out in nature, walk the talk, uh, walk, the, walk, the, walk talk the talk and walk <laughs> my dog in nature <laughs> yeah. and have time for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Which skills are you constantly refining? I would say all because I always want to be one step ahead of my clients. So for me, it's important that I, I know what's going on out there, whether it's uh, content wise in our context, but also technology wise. So what is it that can be beneficial for my clients? But I think what two things <laughs> that come to my mind is also one is listening skills. So curiosity, I think is important. And the other thing is, and this is not always easy, is to uh, being not judgmental. Mm. Because, uh, yeah, to stay an interested observer with no judgment. That's so hard. Oh, it's very hard. Did you find out how to do it? <laughs> well, the moment I realized that I'm, I'm being judgmental, that I just bring it back to me and say, mm. Erica, just observe, observe. And, you know, it's who are you to actually judge? Who are you to mm. judge? Yeah. What are your current favorite problems? I really like the idea of a favorite problem because I recently read you really have to fall in love with your problem more than with the solution. Because if you love your problem, you might come up with more creative solutions than just going straight to a solution. For me, it's really how to use technology to touch even more people mm -hmm. and and I would love to touch millions of people and to inspire and encourage and support millions of people. And the inspiration I got <clears throat> was from a Singularity University. Two years ago, I attended um, a global conference from Singularity University and they're working with uh, uh, artificial intelligence, with uh, technology that is disrupting in a very positive way. And their goal is actually to create startups that influence up to 1 billion people in 10 years positively. And when I heard it, my heart started beating and I thought, wow, that's great. And actually, this is something 
I want to think big. Actually, something I learned at IBM, think big, you know, because back then IBM had 320,000 employees. And if you and, and if we when we um, worked on issues, we thought really in a big way. And, and I'm back to that, actually. And I would love to support as many people as possible by using technology and being a, a positive disruptor. What were the best investments you did, being it energy, attention, time, whatever? I think all the additional education and training sessions I did were always a great investment. So knowing yourself better is, I think, the greatest gift you can give to yourself to find that inner peace and and to really be aware of your strengths and weaknesses because the moment I'm in contact with my clients, I bring myself. So as you know, we have full body intervention. And so it's good that I know myself really well. That's one thing. The other thing, uh, two years ago, I took um, eight months off. So I thought I'd like to take uh, just time for myself, have no plans in my calendar. I had only one week uh, the first week in, in Arizona, in uh, the US, uh, was planned and the rest was no plans at all. And I really wanted to step into that space with no ideas what's next and allow life to happen, actually, which is a great experience. And it means also you have to kind of uh, leave your fears somewhere and, um, and explore what's there. And it was, it was a very inspirational journey, not just that I got my dog, but also I met fantastic people. I went to the States, to Africa, uh, which I deeply love. Uh, and I looked at social projects where I could maybe also support and contribute. I went to, I stayed in Europe. I went back to the US to attend conferences. So it was a very interesting journey uh, and, uh, yeah, changed something in my life. And I found also a new apartment, which was the best investment. Fantastic place. <laughs> Last week we met at Falco and mm -hmm. we talked about splendid isolation and saying no. Are you good in saying no? Yes, I think so. How do you do it? I say no. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think this is. Yeah. And you feel good with it. Most of maybe I would say 80% of the time. Yeah, sometimes there's still our maybe I feel guilty that I, I don't do this. But I sometimes have the feeling it's more the upbringing, you know. So if you don't do this, you will be punished. And and I don't want to punish myself anymore. So if I have the feeling something is not good for myself, why should I do it? And how how did you come to this clarity of mind? Well, it is, it is a step-by-step -step approach. So it was not that I woke up one day and said no, but it's really something where you had to, yeah, make one step after, after the other or at a time. And um, when we want to do something that's important to us, life is challenging us whether we are serious about that. Let me give you an example. Um, no, <laughs> I was just testing. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it works, isn't it? it? Works. It's easy. It works. Yeah. Maybe one example. Um, when I worked at IBM, I traveled the world. Every week I was working somewhere around the globe, which was fun. 
for a certain period of time but after a while I was really tired I missed my family I missed home I missed doing things on a regular basis mm. so I decided that I want to stop traveling or at least reduce it and um, what happened was that uh, I, I had it in my mind I thought this is what I need to tell my boss and my colleagues and uh, before I actually talk to them they said to me Erica you know we have this new big role and project are you interested would you like to do it of course in, it, it involves uh, traveling and you know now I was at the point I thought I had decided that I want to reduce traveling and here they give me this big nice carrot and the question now is do you say no or will you take the carrot and I, this is something I experienced quite often whenever we decide to do something life is testing whether you're serious about it or not and I said no to this offer because I knew that if I continued eating the big carrots nothing is going to change so and the analogy of the carrot implies that there is a stick and it's always far away from you no, and it's moving. no 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 but I think that uh, sometimes life is testing whether we're serious yeah it's it's like uh, if I say, and this is I hear quite often in organizations, we should be more open and everyone says, yeah, let's be more open. Okay, so two, day, two days later, there comes a big crisis. Okay, so what is it? What am I telling now the people? You are also the boss of employees. Is it easy to say no to them? I think if you're clear inside, yes, it's easy. It's easy, but it's not always easy, of course, especially if there's something they need urgently. And this is also something I hear quite often from the managers and executives I work with that, you know, people are standing in their room. They, they want so much every single day. And the question is also how clear am I, you know, uh, about setting boundaries because it happens to me quite often that people give me a call and they want an immediate reaction and I can't and I don't want to. So I just say, uh, I know it's urgent. Can I call you back? And just by saying, can I call you back? I maybe gained myself half an hour, an hour. Or the same is true if, if clients, if you're working on a big project, you know, and they, they need more details. And I know that I'd like to spend a bit more time on the details or the essence or the content that I call them and I say, is it okay if I, I, I have one additional day? So I'm trying to gain more time for myself. And I think the same is true if people are stepping into your office that uh, and they say, do you have a minute? No, but can I call you back? And this is something we have to learn also, you know, to be clear about our boundaries. And otherwise, emotions are kind of... Uh, um, growing and then people explode which is not necessary you know if i'm clear about my boundaries i don't have to be aggressive to say no so if you are clear with your boundaries does it never happen that you get overwhelmed overbooked or does it happen and if it happens how do you handle it then of course it happens you know so of course it happens and there are days where i have to feel leave me alone all of you you know it's just too much but it's actually me who didn't take good care of myself you know and i really believe that 80 percent of the stress we have is made up by ourselves and how do i deal with it yeah good question 
different methods. Sometimes I just breathe, you know, I remind myself to breathe. I take maybe one, two, three deep breaths and just calm down. Or maybe I walk around for five minutes, go outside in nature, again, breathe. Or maybe I do a morning meditation, something that calms me down, something that kind of brings me back to my center. And I'm responsible for that. It's not the environment. I'm responsible for that. So, And this is something, the more you do it, the easier it is to find back. Or just say, something I love actually telling myself is, you know, I can't do more than my best and everything will be fine, Erica. Relax, trust the unfolding plan, trust, you know, what is going to happen. You have everything inside. So it's, it's like a very kind and loving relationship with myself trust the unfolding plan beautiful is there something on your bucket list something you would like to explore to learn to visit um i'm a very curious mind so i want to explore a lot um but but the first thing actually because i love beach volleyball and it's on my bucket list since years. I would love to play beach volleyball for four weeks or six weeks in a row, being on the beach every day, beach volleyball. I love it. But also traveling the world with my partner. This is something maybe again, taking half a year or a year off and traveling the world, meeting different cultures, getting inspiration, doing different stuff. So expanding, uh, on different levels, mentally, uh, emotionally, spiritually. So, and I mean, I think a lot of people say, I always wanted to write my own book, but of course that's something maybe creating more products that are useful and beneficial for other people. So to also have something you can sell and give away and yeah. Is there something I forgot to ask? Maybe about my passion or is there anything else? Uh, What's your current passion? <laughs> um, well, I didn't tell you, but actually my background school is I went to a school for arts and crafts. And so my passion is definitely creativity, combining creativity and leadership and everything I do, whether it's um, in my private or personal life, it has to be a, in German, it's called Gesamtkunstwerk. Mm -hmm. It has to be something, it's a whole holistic design. So this is important to me. I, and, and whenever I work also with uh, teams and organizations, it's not just that you work on a content level, but for me, it's always at the same time touching the content level, the relationship level, the structural level. So it is a holistic approach. And for me, it's important to add also great, not just technology, but different methods uh, to have nice presentations so that different senses are stimulated and inspired. This, I think, really excites me. Do you have an example how it, how it unfolds itself? Well, uh, I just started uh, a project with a colleague I appreciate a lot. It's co called Salon Weiburg because our office is at Weiburg in the first district. And it is a, a, 
it's a space where we want creative people and leaders meet and learn from each other and yes that's not new however what we really want to add here is um, this not just intellectual stimuli or inspiration but also a creative way of looking at things and getting ideas of how other uh, people approach maybe the exact same issues and to what other conclusions or ideas do they come so it's and this is what I, I always love is actually connecting people connecting hierarchies industries cultures so this excites me also a lot what is your favorite question to your clients at the moment who are you really whether as an organization or as an individual but who are you really you know if behind all these masks and facets and everything we think sometimes we have to show yeah but that's not so interesting i would say it's more who are you really what was your all face you. before you were born yeah no well all of you it's it's sometimes we bring i had once you know a client and i was very emotionally touched but also more sadly touched because she said, you know, I've been in this company for the past 20 years, but for the past 15 years, whenever I came to the office in the morning, I left my brain at the reception and took it home when I left because no one was seriously interested in what I think and feel. And I thought, oh my goodness. And she was excellent, you know? And so... How does that happen? Uh, it happens if, if you have a very hierarchical uh, system where people tell others what to do so edu uh, so development stops at their level because if i just tell them what to do of course why should people think why should they start thinking if they are told what to do which is a very old approach i would say and i mean as you know a lot happened within the past 15 20 years so people are getting much more smarter you can't uh, tell them what to do they ask you a lot of questions they need to know why we're doing this what's the purpose what's the meaning behind you know they challenge managers much more which I like because I challenge also manager I think they have a lot of responsibilities and so they have to live up to that how would you describe the impact this interview had on you right now You know, whenever you are asked questions, which I think are the most least used resources, you know, we don't use them often enough, managers, non-managers, but you make me think, and that's good. You make me dig a bit deeper, that's good. So you make me exploring my inner space again, which is good because it's inspiring and it gives also again more clarity to me who I am really. Thank you so much, Erica, for being on the show. Thank you. And to you, our dear listeners, you will find the things we mentioned, as always, in the show notes and also on strategiesprints.com. If you want to help others find this show, feel free to leave a comment on iTunes or to share in your social networks. Keep rocking. Happy day, Simon. <laughs>